open your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. David, you find more in the Bible written about David than any other character other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And all through the stories of David, much of what you find is a man who is being hounded, a man who is being chased, a man who is walking in God's will, but things are not going like we would like them to go. You ever been there? That's what David has experienced in life. But when you get to chapter 9 of Second Samuel, here's what it reads. It says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame in his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amil, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amil, from Lodabar. And now when Mithbosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, has come to David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said, Mithbosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. What do you think is going on in Mithbosheth's mind? Now, can you all say Mifbosheth? Mifbosheth. Boy, how would you like your mom and dad to name you that name? Mifbosheth. Mifbosheth, he is the exiled son of the former king. And usually when there is a new king that comes to the throne, all the family of the former king, all the servants of the former king per se, they're actually put to death. They're either further exiled, but it's not a good thing to be summoned before the new king. And therefore he's fallen on his face before King David. And the first word David says is fear not. When you approach this story, you have to understand a little bit of the background of the story. And the background of the story actually starts back in chapter 8. Because you see, in chapter 8, you find that David, he has been running from Saul. He has been hunted by Saul like he was a common fugitive. And he has fled time after time after time. And at this point in chapter 9, David is on the throne. David is king. David is secure. And God is doing many advances, many marvelous things at his hand for King David. And, And the kingdom is being established. And all of a sudden, David, he's recounting the goodness of God. He's recounting the great of God. He did this in remembrance. And that's what I stress to you. You've had to have time in your day where you do things in remembrance of Almighty God. And you've got to specifically and intentionally recount the greatness of God, recount the goodness of God in your life. You're breathing, aren't you? Yes. We have a good God. And so many times our concept of God denies what the Scripture tells us that God is like. But here in chapter 1 or chapter 9, verse 1, David says, I want to show kindness. I want to show the kindness of God to one of Saul's relatives. To the man who tried to kill me, I want to show to his relative kindness. See, the main character here is Mithbosheth. Now, you need to know something about Mithbosheth. When Mithbosheth was but a child, was but a little boy, he was dropped. And because he was dropped, he is lame in both feet. He's crippled. Maybe you're here and you got dropped. <laughs> 
maybe in the arms of someone who trusted you or you trusted, maybe in a moment of utter dependency, you got dropped. And because you got dropped way back when, it has affected you even now. Is that making sense to you guys? Because of what transpired, what took place in your life years and years ago. The hurt that you you experienced, the, the, the pain that came into your life, you're still having repercussions from that because somebody dropped you in a moment when you needed them to be secure. They could not, and they dropped you. And we live with countless times of men and women all throughout this room, throughout this community. They were dropped in life, and they've never got over it. That's Miss Boshef. Miss Boshef was a man, he, he, he was dropped, he, he was wounded, he was broken. And, and because of it, he was broken, he could not be what he felt like he needed to be. He could not do all that he felt like he needed to do. There was always this constant, if I hadn't been, have you had never got over your past yet? So there's a whole lot of folks, they live not getting over what happened to them. And I know it's brought situations into your life now, but, but at some point you've got to say, I've got to man up and I've got to go on from here. Because even though I was dropped way back when, I'm accountable for myself right now. And so Miss Boshef, who was dropped, is now hiding out, trying to stay away from the new king. Because the new king is probably going to want to exterminate him and all the, the, the royal family that was former. And here he is, he's hiding. Let me ask, where do you hide out? There's a lot of people, they, they hide behind computer screens. They hide behind social media. They're hiding out. They don't want anybody to find them. They don't want anybody to bother. Oh, they want to inject a few phrases every now and again. But they're hiding from reality. They're hiding from God. They don't want men of God, women of God coming to them, sharing with them the very truth of God's word. Why? Because they're hiding. And they're hiding in Lodabar. Now look at the condition of Miss Boshev. He was dropped. And maybe that's what happened to you. Maybe you were abandoned as a child and you've never got over that. You don't understand how somebody could have done that to you. Maybe there was an abandonment issue going on. in that. Maybe your spouse left you and you got dropped. And you've never learned how to proceed through that problem. Maybe in the arm of somebody else you were abused. Now you don't understand how they could have done it, but they did. And you're dealing with these issues in life. Maybe you don't know what took place, but it just impacted you. You were dropped. And here it is, David, he steps up and he says, is there anybody left of the sons of Jonathan? Jonathan was the son of Saul. And, and all of a sudden, Ziba says, yes, there's this one guy named Miss Bosheth, but he is crippled, but he is lame, but he is not that important, but you don't need to waste your time with him, O king. And the devil has so many people believing that lie, that you're not worth much look what you did look what has happened in your life look what transpired look how you have turned up you're not worth anybody's attention you're not worth anybody reaching out to you look at that and all of a sudden Zima he said but and see that's what the enemy does to us doesn't he enemy loves to get on your shoulder and say do you remember when you did this do you remember how it was when you walked away do you remember when you denied the lord jesus christ do you remember when you did this and you got caught there do you remember he tries to bring back all these memories and hear me if you're a child of the king you've been washed in the blood of jesus christ it's been brought under the blood you've been forgiven you've been cleansed hear me he gives forgiveness the devil is a liar he wants you to look at your past and say oh poor pitiful me but jesus said look at your future and a future in him a future of hope 
You see, Zeba, he was a, a servant of the king, and he was simply saying, King, don't waste your time with this Mephibosheth. He is no threat to you. He is no help to you. He is not a benefit to you. And King said to Zeba, he said, I did not ask you that. I simply ask you, is there anyone we can show forth the kindness of God to? Is that how you live? Am I looking for anybody I can show forth the kindness of God to? Or am I just looking for people who are like me? Who look like me, act like me, smell like me? What am I looking for? Or am I looking out into a lost and dying world to see humanity that does not know Jesus Christ? And we have the words of everlasting life that we can share with them. Hear me, aren't you glad God came looking to you one day? Aren't you glad God doesn't look for that person who is good looking, that person who's got it all together? God looks for people who have a mess and he says, I'm going to take your mess and I'm going to make a message out of it. And God says, I'm going to take you where you are and I'm going to transform you, translate you, transfer you into another kingdom, into my kingdom. And you're going to have my name. And you're going to be called my child. And you're going to be one of my people. He said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to change you. It's not where you are that matters. It's where I'm going to take you to. And God says, I'm not looking for people that's got it all together. I came to seek sinners. I came to seek those who cannot save themselves. And they know it. I've come looking for people who need a Savior. And I'm the Savior. And so many times we want people who look like us. And we don't realize the grace of God does a transformation in their lives. The grace of God changes them. See, see, here was, here was, here was Mephibosheth. And maybe you felt this way. Mephibosheth, he's lame in both feet. He cannot walk about like other men. He feels like he's been disqualified from life. He feels like he, he doesn't fit in any longer. He's not only disqualified. He seems disconnected from everybody around him. Why? He's hiding out in Lodabar. He's down here by himself just trying to get it by and nobody noticed him. He feels like he's dying on the inside is that how you feel you realize life is all about you but inside yourself you feel like you're dying you feel like you don't connect you feel like things have passed you by you're disqualified you've bought the devil's life but hear me we do have a savior who says i've come to give you life and life in abundance we have a savior who comes to give you hope we have a savior who comes to fill you with the holy ghost and to change you to empower you to live for him and to live for his glory I mean, let's face it, guys. Have you forgot where God found you? Were you all that when God found you? And Oh, God, I'm doing you a favor because I'm signing up with you. Get real, guys. When God found you, you were like me. You were yet in your sin. You were disgusting, my friend. And God said, Mark. And he called my name. And he extended his grace. And I responded. And he saved me. And here was Mephibosheth. He got dropped by somebody. And maybe that's where you are. You've been dropped, and you don't know what to do. You're you're hiding out. But God comes looking for you. Did you see that? God told Zeba, his servant, God sends the Holy Ghost. He says, go fetch him. You know what fetch means, don't you? You're not that high and up and uppity. He said, go fetch him for me. And you know what happens when the Holy Ghost goes to fetch you? The Holy Spirit of God, he starts to disturb you on the inside. He starts to work on the inside of your heart. And he starts to pull back all that stuff, all that sin, all that iniquity, all that shame. And he starts to show you what you are for yourself. And it don't feel a bit good, does it, brothers? It doesn't feel good when 
when the convicting power of God comes upon your life and he starts to show you your sin, starts to show you all your guilt. It doesn't feel good, but hear me, that's part of grace working. And that's where we have a disconnect today. When we have people come to church, they say, oh, you're judging me. You're not being judged. It's the Spirit of God convicting you. He's offering you a new way. He's offering you a new life. He's offering you hope. He's offering you eternity with purpose. But you've got to know the convicting power of the Spirit of God. Because without the convicting, the drawing power of the Spirit of God, there can no man repent in his own power, in his own ability. But when God convicts you and God shows you, see, the preacher don't convict you. The preacher just preaches the Word of God. And the Word of God and the Holy Ghost convicts your heart. The preacher doesn't do it. But when God convicts you, he's offering you hope. He's offering you change. He's offering you a new way. And we're hiding out in Lodabar. Because we don't want nobody to find us, right? Why? Because we're ashamed of what we are. We're ashamed of where we've been. But you look at the condition of the king or the concern of the king. That was Mephibosheth. But the king has a heart that leans out towards his people. A king has a heart. And he said, is there anybody I can bless? Is there anybody you know that I can extend my grace to? Is there anybody you're aware of that I can go down to and I can touch in Jesus' name? And see, that's what God has said. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we earn it. It's because holy God chooses to extend grace to us. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son into the world that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved but you've got to understand when you get confronted with the truth of God you stand the judgment of almighty God in that split second you get confronted with the truth of God the spirit of God convicts your heart you are to make a response unto him you have to make a choice of your mind your emotion and your will under the Father. And when you yield to Him, what happens is He works that work of regenerating grace and He changes you and He saves you. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It didn't say if just white folks call on Jesus, they'll be saved. It didn't say if just black folks call on Jesus, they'll be saved. It said whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's more than saying God bless me. You call upon the name of the Lord And I believe you call with a sense of desperation in your soul. You call upon the name of the Lord because you're crying out for God to do in you what you cannot do for yourself. You call upon Him and He says, I will save you. I will change you. Aren't you glad God comes for the broken? He doesn't come for those who've got it all together. Those who are not sick need no physician. He comes for those who are broken. He comes for for, for those zebras who live down in Lodabar. Where's Lodabar? Anybody ever been there? Low means no. Debar means pasture. Zeba, no, not Zeba, Mithbosheth was living in the land of no pasture. He was living in the land of no nourishment. He was living in the place of no word. He was living in the place of no enlightenment. Isn't that where a lot of people want to live? They don't want to live where the word of God will feed their soul. They don't want to live where the enlightenment of the Holy Ghost can show them the way, the truth, and the life. They live down in Lodabar, a land that is barren, a land that has nothing, a land that is just just existing. And here comes all God's Holy Ghost to convict you, to draw you, to show you. He comes all the way to Lodabar to call your name. And here Zeba knocks on the door. The servant of God knocking on the door. And Mephibosheth says, 
Who is it? I'm hiding out there. Nobody's supposed to know I'm down here. It's a servant of the king. And the Holy Ghost knocks on your heart's door. You know who he is. He starts to squeeze you. He starts to draw you. He starts to show you yourself as you are in your sin, in your load of bar. And he says, the king sent me to fetch you. What do you think went on in Zeba's mind? Same thing that goes on in our mind. This can't be good. Greatest day of your life and you're getting ready to miss it. You hear me? He's in Lodabar. The king who's going to kill all of, of Saul's family, he believes, has come looking for him. Or he's going to further hurt him, harm him, torture him, exile him. He says, he's come to fetch me. And it says, he fetches him to the palace. And here comes this cripple in his ragged clothes, dirt under his fingernail, his beard not trimmed. He's sitting there looking at just a pitiful mess. And it says he sees the king and he falls down before the king. Why? Because he's expecting the worst. Your conception of God determines whether you live in faith or you live in fear. Your conception of God determines whether you live with worries or you live with confidence. Listen to me. When the disciples were in the boat going to the other side and Jesus was in the hull of the ship asleep, what did they ask him? Jesus! Don't you care? We're about to perish. Now, I don't think they went up to him and said, Jesus, it's kind of bad out here. Don't you think you ought to wake up and help us? Is that how you do it when you're panic stricken? No. There's something inside you that you've got an emotion that all of a sudden is driven to the very forefront of your lungs. And you're saying, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? They had a misconception about Christ. And that's where worry and doubt and fear invade our hearts. Because we act like the disciples. What's it say in 1 Peter? He cares for you. See, see, see God cares. He truly cares cares and is concerned about you and see you have to understand your concept of God is not one who does not care but you've got a great God and you've got a good God and you've got a God that's working all things for his glory and you're good you've got to get a grip he's in control he's in charge he's never going to lead you somewhere where he will not sustain you he's the living God and lives in you and if Boshev He's got a misconception about the king. And instead of the king saying off with his head, the king said, I've got a place for you in my family. I've got a place for you at my table. And I want you to come to be a part of my family. Why, king? Because I'm in covenant relationship with you because of what someone else did. You getting that, guys? Because he and Jonathan, they had a covenant relationship. Because of what he and Jonathan had done, they had a covenant relationship with the children. Because what Jesus Christ did for you, not what I did, not what Shar did, but what Jesus did for me. We have covenant with God. Because of what someone else did, I can know God. Because of what someone else did, I can walk with God. Because of what someone else did, I can have peace with God. He said, I want you to come to my table. 
I want you to come to the table of grace. And here the, the cripple meets the king. The broken is about to be blessed. And he doesn't even comprehend what God's getting ready to do in his life. And all of a sudden, it's supper time. And you hear that dinner bell ringing. You hear the clang and the clang and the clang. And all of a sudden, there's this banquet room filled with food, filled with chairs and tables. And here comes in the elite of the elite. When you start looking at who's at David's table, it just totally amazes your mind because when it happens is this Ammon walks in he is that one who is so clever he is that one who is so 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 smooth he is a deceiver but he walks in and all of a sudden you see Ammon taking his place at the table you see Joab walking he was the general he was a soldier he is tan he is strong he is built he's got his hand constantly on his saber because he's looking around he's looking at the servants he's looking at the doorways he's making sure everything is safe not only did he walk in Abishai walks in. Abishai is a combat veteran. He knew what it was to take and defend David. He knew what it was to risk his own life for David's life. And there we find Tamar walks in, the daughter of David. She is beautiful. She is pure. She is holy. She sits down at that table. Solomon walks in. He's a bookworm. He's always studying. He's always learning. Absalom walks in and he's all that. He is good looking and everybody knows it. And all of a sudden, you think this room filled with all these people who look good. They fit. They, they, they seem to be in the right place. And then you hear this clang, 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 scruff, scruff, scruff. And all of a sudden, Joab's got his hand on his sword. And, and Abishai, he's got his hand on his sword. And they're looking what's getting ready to happen. And here comes Mifboshef, this cripple, outcast, didn't fit. Clothes doesn't fit, dirt under his fingernails. He comes dragging himself into this place of beauty and he looks around and he looks at all these people that seem to fit and he says, I don't fit, but I have been invited. And hear me, guys, it don't matter if you think you fit. When Holy Ghost God invites you, my friends, you've got to respond to God. And if you've got to drag your broken body all the way like Mephboshev did, you drag your broken body. And you don't let people intimidate you. You don't let people scare you off. You keep on coming. Why? Because the Lord's table is set. And His table is set with kindness. His table is set with grace. His table is set with forgiveness. His table is set with, with, with cleansing. And so here comes Mephboshev. And everybody's watching him now. All eyes in the room are glued upon him and he's dragging that broken body and he gets over there to that chair and he grabs hold of it with one hand and he reaches up to the seat of it with the other hand and he starts to pull those twisted legs up and he finds himself getting up and he sits down at the table and all of a sudden everybody in the room they collapse he's here and there's rejoicing in heaven when one lost sinner comes to the grace of Almighty God. And let me tell you something. If you don't know the grace of God this morning, I'm not talking about a word. I'm talking about a person, my friends, who will change you, who will, who will redirect you, who will forgive you. You can know him today. But you have got to say, I am going. I don't care if mama goes. I'm going by myself. I don't care if daddy goes. I'm going by myself. I don't care if my husband, my wife goes. I'm going. I don't care if my kids go. I'm going. There ain't nothing stopping me to go. Why? Because I've been bitten by the king. The spirit of God's come to fetch me. All I can do is obey him I'm going 
And when you get to the table, my friends, you'll see grace that you never knew existed. You're going to see kindness that you never knew you could experience. You're going to see mercy. You're going to see love. You're going to see uh, restoration. You're going to see forgiveness and cleansing. Hear me? At the table, it's been set. But will you come? And right now, there's some people in this room, you feel just like Miss Bosheff. You feel like you don't fit. You don't belong here. Listen to me. You do. Because we all were Miss Bosheff at one time. We all were crippled and broken in our sin at one time. And but for the grace of God, we all would be that individual. But hear me, holy God, he extended his hand, his love, his mercy toward us. And we responded to that. And all that he worked in our life. And he began to move in us to change us. And he continues to work. We've never arrived. We're in process. But if you're here today, and the Spirit of God speaking to your heart, and you understand, I am so needy. I'm so tired of playing this game. I know the Christian colloquialism. I can say, oh, bless you. I will pray for you. And we can dress up and look the part. And we can do all that stuff just playing a game. But deep down inside your soul, you are empty on the inside. And you know that you don't know Christ as your Savior. He's not the Lord of your life in a real way. You just leave here to do what you want to do. And you want to beat in your time. And you'll come back next week and hoping something will rub off on you. Hear me. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to rub off on you. He wants to possess your soul. He wants to come into your life and change you. He wants to save you to the uttermost. He wants to give you purpose and meaning and joy inside yourself but you got to come and when you get to the king's table it's all set and it's all there and you got it all father we bow before you this morning God the table has been set with grace and mercy and forgiveness and cleansing God you're beckoning hearts of people right now to come God, I pray you let them come. Father, I pray you begin to disturb hearts and lives and souls. I pray, God, you begin to speak into people's lives right now, their need. And you would just work, God, that they would obey you. They would respond to you. They're not responding to a man. They're not responding to a message. They're responding to the Holy Spirit of God who's speaking to their heart. God, work right now. And God, for those who are here who've been saved, but Lord, they, they've slid away, they're struggling. God, let this be this day of restoration in their life. And they leave here changed once again by your grace, living for your glory, for your purpose. Oh God, let your Holy Spirit be walking up and down these aisles fetching people. And God, let us obey you. From the youngest boy, girl, to the oldest man or woman, let us obey you. As the invitation hymn is sung, will you obey God right now? What's he saying to your heart? What are you saying back to him? Obey the Lord. Obey God. Let's stand.